welcome to the Rethinking Learning Podcast. I'm Barbara Bray, and this is where I have conversations on learning with inspirational educators, thought leaders, and difference makers. Well, I'm going all the way to Toronto, Canada. I have Stephen Hurley here. I am so excited, Stephen, that you're here with me. Well, it is great to uh, be meeting you re- literally face to face. We're not physically in the same space, but it feels like it because I can actually see you, which is which is odd for me. I know. <laughs> I and the way I do this is because I feel like we have a connection, and we only grab the audio file, but it's just so much better when you can actually see the person you're talking to. Well, you can see when I uh, when I roll my eyes and when I yawn and, uh, and if I take a sip of water. So there you go. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> no yawning though. I mean, I guess I'm going to try no. my best. Yeah, hey, I'm going to I'm going to boast about you, Stephen. Is that okay? Oh, okay. I'll, 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 I can, uh, so you'll see me blush. Yeah, I was just going to say, don't blush. <laughs> okay, Stephen Hurley currently lives at the intersection of two passions. He has a lifelong love of radio since grade four. Really? Yeah, grade four. Oh my it's, gosh. It, it's one of my best stories. Oh, I can't. Oh, you're going to tell about that one? I'll tell about that oh, one, yeah. Okay, that's a good one. And you've had a 30-year career in public ed- education in Ontario, Canada. I said Toronto. I meant Ontario. Um, but isn't that part of Toronto? Toronto is in Ontario. So Toronto, uh, Ontario is the province. Toronto is the city. And I don't live in Toronto. I live about an hour outside of Toronto. But people so- don't know where Milton is. Oh, well, sorry about that. I should have said it right. Okay. Uh, see, I'm learning. You're going to have to... You know, educate me on that. Uh, Stephen is the architect and chief catalyst behind Voice Ed Radio, a 24-7 radio station dedicated to deepening the way we talk about education in Canada and the world. I'm on there. You are indeed. As a matter of fact, I think you may be playing right now. Oh, my gosh. Well, we can't listen right now. but <laughs> Oh, welcome, Stephen. And I can't wait to talk a little bit more and learn more about you. Um, you know, it's I, how long have I been on your sh- I can't even believe. Well, we are. you were one of our first uh, podcasts to, to bring on, and we will be three years old at the beginning of January. Oh, I'm three years old beginning of May. No, I'll be four. Yeah, four years. Four. Yeah. Oh, I've been around. Oh my gosh. Yeah, you've been around a long time. Well, I've been around a long terms. time. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, let's let's talk about your background a little bit. Yeah. So, so my background, I, I, you know, I come from a very boring background. I, I, I have to tell you, I live 20 minutes from where my parents live. My mom lives now and they haven't moved in, in like 40, 50, 60 years, actually. Oh. And, and so, uh, my dad, uh, I come from a banking family. My mom and dad actually met, uh, working at the bank. Uh, but you know, it was the, it was the fifties and, uh, uh, it, it, mom and dad got married young. And, uh, so mom stayed at home and, and raised, uh, five kids. There are three boys and then a 10 year separation. And, uh, I don't know what happened. Well, I know what happened. I don't know why 10 years later, um, I've, I've got two sisters and, and so we grew up in a, in a suburban area, a suburb of Toronto and grew up Roman Catholic. And, and so we were given all the rules. We were given the neighborhood, we were given the boundaries and we lived our life. And, uh, it's, it's funny because I was telling someone, uh, just yesterday that my definition of growing up as a young person was 
every year you sort of seem to go one street out. The radius of your your neighborhood changed, and uh, you just explored one street over. and uh, And that was uh, that was the way we grew up. So it was the '60s. It was uh, you, you know it was a, a a time when there were six NHL teams in the National Hockey League, and I don't know how many there are now, but Toronto uh, never does that well. But we did back then when there was just six. So we were in as kids. We were into um, the hockey, uh, not so much baseball. Uh, we didn't have a national baseball there, a Toronto baseball team at that time. I just grew up um, as a normal kid, exploring on Saturdays, staying out until the streetlights went on. And I don't, you know, in terms of school, I don't remember uh, either loving or or disliking school. I just kind of went because that's what you did, right? Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Wow. And, yeah, and so uh, and so the the second part of my life has been sort of pushing back against those rules and and those regulations that I was and asking why and uh, and so the uh, the family relationships now are a little different because you enter into those conversations where you're challenging some of those uh, those rules and principles that you grew up with and um, we just celebrated our Thanksgiving weekend here uh, in in Canada. Uh, and uh, those family dynamics are interesting when you when you people start to grow and start to question and uh, interesting dinner conversations, Barbara. So your Thanksgiving is different than ours. Ours is the uh, like the end of November. Yours is in the beginning. The, the October, uh, so October, the second Monday in October, and so that is interesting because the United States and Canada did celebrate uh, Thanksgiving at the same time up until the First World War. Uh, and the, the armistice was signed, and then uh, Remembrance Day was uh, and Veterans Day was uh, established on November 11th. So I guess they didn't. They said, "Well, we can't have it that close to Remembrance Day." And so Canada was kind of off and on October, November. Didn't know when it was. It was kind of a floating holiday uh, until the year I was the year before I was born, uh, 1957. Uh, they declared that it would be the second Monday in. Uh, in October, beginning 1958. And I was born, uh, I think, three days before that. So I was kind of a Thanksgiving baby. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you just had it, right? <laughs> just had it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah, well, that it's good that you have your own. It doesn't have to be the same. <laughs> no, no. Well, we're so so similar in, in terms of culture, in terms of practices, in terms of the way we look at the world. Well, we were up until... Uh, a few years ago, you know, uh-huh. um, but we've, it's it, our, uh, one, one of our prime ministers, Pierre Elliott Trudeau, I don't know if you remember him, uh, once said that living next to the United States is like sleeping with an elephant. And I'll just <laughs> leave it at that. <laughs> so you've had an exciting life, even though you said it wasn't, it is. It, it, and it continues to be, and it's actually starting to get more exciting than it ever has been, uh, you know, since I retired. I retired seven years ago from uh, a school district here in Ontario, and I taught there for 30 years. So, uh, But education, I, I loved it so much and loved the work I was doing so much that I, you know, even in retirement, I can't look away. It's just, there's just so much happening, and it's all exciting. Well, I'm a little older than you, and I've... Never retired, but I'm kind of like semi-retirement because I play <laughs> a yeah, lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I can't let, this is a time where I feel we're making a difference. I think we are. And, and you know, just on the retirement thing, um, I uh, as soon as I retired, I said, well, retirement for me means putting new rubber on the wheels to retire. <laughs> and then you go off in a different direction. And, uh, <gasps> oh, I got to get that as a quote. 
That's a good yeah. quote. Do you have that I, somewhere? I mean, if not, that's... it's just in my mind. I've never written it down, but oh, but that's I can. really good. <laughs> I like it. Um, so you said something about being a student, but what was it like for you? I was, uh, you know, in my early years. I remember. Uh, I remember because my mom kept all of my elementary school and high school and university report cards and transcripts and whatnot. So I go through those every once in a while. In in the early days, I think I, I was kind of setting the world on fire. I was. I stood first in my class in grade two. Um, in second term, I dropped down to fourth. But the the, the report card comment said maybe if he does a little, uh, tries a little harder, he'll get back up to first in the class. So what does that mean? First in the class. Uh, but, but I remember in grade three, uh, I started getting comments on my report cards that I, I was a daydreamer. And I think that captures my, my life now, uh, quite accurately. So I, I dream a lot about what could be. I remember when I was seven, I was pretty certain that I could go out in my backyard uh, in the summer, uh, and make a spaceship, like create this <laughs> spaceship. Uh, and I had started to collect wood and, uh, you know, other people were in their basements playing with their chemistry sets. I was out trying to build a spaceship and I was convinced that I could do it. Um, and so that it was, it was that sort of spirit of curiosity. I loved uh, like, uh, like other people, I love taking things apart, except I could never get them back together. <laughs> There'll always be screws left over, you know, and say, well, we, do we really need that screw in that walkie-talkie? Well, it turns out you do. <laughs> um, oh, that's But funny. I just loved, lo- I was so curious, and I'm still so curious about how things work and, and uh, you know, wanting to figure things out. And uh, I think as a, as a father of two young children, and again, I don't know how that happened, but, um, you know. <laughs> oh, but, yes, um, you do. I do. <laughs> I remember it clearly. Uh <laughs> But the the idea of of starting a family when you're you know forty eight or forty nine, oh. uh, I remember it, I remember oh. at my fiftieth birthday party, I had a great big fiftieth birthday party. I played in a band, and the band played that night because I don't like to dance, and uh, and not only did we have a celebration of my fiftieth birthday, but that, that was the night we announced that we were expecting our second child, <laughs> and that was really strange. People just kind of looked at me and said, "What are you doing?" Um, but yeah, so so I, that's I guess back to the curiosity. That's what I want to en- engender and nurture in my own kids is is you know that sense of curiosity, the sense that there's stuff to find out, and the tools that we have to find them out are just better than they were when I was growing up. You know, it's amazing. That's what my life was like. I was so yeah. curious. I was building things, and everyone was. Some of my teachers didn't know what to do with me because I was always asking why and wanted to go in a different direction. I was kind of a misfit. Did, did, did your family support that? Did, did, well, my family, my mom was a misfit. My dad was a misfit. I think we were all, I have three sisters. We're all kind of a little different because um, we see the, a bigger picture and we want to push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. so I think that's when you come from a family like that, or if your family allows you to be like that, it's really nice. I shouldn't say that's, allow. Maybe they don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. So they just throw their hands up. And to, but to, yeah. to, to have a whole family like that, that would, you know, that must have been really interesting. Oh, yeah. Some of our neighbors thought we were really weird. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> my mom was working in the 50s and women didn't. 
that much. So, oh, yeah. yeah. But this isn't about me. This is about okay, you. Sorry. I could go on and on, and people know that. So I have to be careful. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, what was it like when you went? You said something about grade four you wanted to do. You were interested in radio. What was uh, that? Grade four was a turning point. Uh, grade four was a turning point for two reasons. And the one is that uh, Sister Leona, I went to Catholic school, uh, and Sister Leona, uh, for some reason, figured I would be interested in a new tape recorder, a, ta- a cassette tape deck that they had just received in the classroom. And these, this was 69, uh, 68, 69. So these were fairly new. And, uh, and she brought in this, it came with this little microphone, a little Radio Shack microphone. And uh, I just, it, it became mine. And I asked her, I said, can I take this home? And she said, well, you have to go ask the principal if you can take this home. And I was afraid to do anything. And she said, well, no, you can't then unless you go ask the principal. So I went and asked the principal and uh, they let me take this thing home. And I just coveted it. And because it was the most magical thing. So in the 60s here in Ontario, and and I know probably where you were as well, we started moving into sort of open concept, open learning environments. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of what we're talking about now mm-hmm. these days, right? Yes. And I sat in a corner uh, between two bookshelves in the classroom for two weeks. And I had a tape recorder, I had a record player, and I had a copy of the album the story of Batman and Robin. <laughs> and I spent those two weeks creating radio. Really? And wow. in the summer, I, uh, I convinced my parents uh, eventually to get my own cassette recorder. But for years, I um, spent the days, all my spare time in my bedroom, creating radio shows, creating novelty radio shows, creating interviews. Um, and it's interesting that that's what I do right now i <laughs> sit in my that's amazing and the the and so if i look back on the signs of all this um i became the media specialist in grade eight i was the, the grade eight teacher's right hand man i set up the movie projector and ordered the films in in grade nine i i we had a, a, a federal election and we had a, a tv show uh and i was behind the scenes and um my most horrific high school experience happened in that context um, I could tell you about it if you wanted, um, but and and in university, uh, when I when it came time to apply for college or university, uh, my parents wouldn't let me go to radio college. Why? Because they wanted me to go to a university. They thought their their children are going to go to university. They there was this this idea that um, colleges, which were still fairly new at the time, uh, were a place where you went if you weren't able to handle the rigor of academic, and uh, they didn't want to admit that. Mm-hmm. So I lost out on that opportunity, but the love stayed with me. And there were, there were, um, you know, I would, I would write to radio stations. I would call into radio stations. I would, even in my teaching and, you know, in the last 10 years, 15 years, I would be bugging the program manager at our local radio station to have a show on education. And he would say no. And so I went to the owner of the station and he said yes. And then there was fireworks and it didn't happen. Um, oh. But I did get a half hour on a major Toronto um, radio station uh, a number of years ago. They were having a contest called Talk Radio Idol, and they were looking to fill a Sunday night's slot. So I got a slot on there, and uh, 
but anyways, I've, I've, I've thrown so many threads out there, but yeah, it all started in grade four with sister Leona. And, uh, she told me, she used to tell me, she said, someday I'm going to be sitting in my rocking chair and I'm going to see your name go through on the credits. Uh, yeah. So. Oh, I I don't know if she's still around though. Is she? You don't know. I don't think she is. I don't think she is. But she's watching you. Well, she made it to heaven. I'm sure she did. Yes, she did. (laughs) At least, you know, being able to do that. So you, that's amazing, your story. You did mention to me about music and jazz and... So, so that was the second thing that happened in grade four. I had, uh, I had fallen in love with my grandmother's, uh, very old Heinzmann, which is a Canadian piano manufacturer, uh, back in the, uh, in the 1900s, uh, 20th century. Uh, she had an old upright piano with ivory keys in her mm-hmm. front room. And from whenever I could walk, uh, I would walk over to that piano and just play. Now, my grandfather, uh, would swear that it was banging because he he would yell down, stop banging on the piano. And, and she had like, she had 43 grandchildren and I was kind of the one that, that took to this piano. And my parents finally, when I was nine years old, um, got a, a, a piano delivered. It was $60. It was an upright. And I played on that and I started to take lessons. <laughs> and within a few years, I was invited to uh, play uh, the organ at, at our local church I was told I was going to play the organ at our local church. <laughs> the priest came down and said, you're playing on Sunday. And uh, <laughs> and I did. And I did that for over 30 years and, and uh, um, just loved music, took, took piano lessons, uh, uh, got really nervous about piano exams. Uh, so, so nervous that in my uh, grade 10 uh, conservatory exam, uh, I was 18 and I didn't go to the exam. I decided two weeks uh, before oh. that I was not going to go. So... Three years ago, I turned uh, 58. So 40 years later, I went back and and uh, I took piano lessons and took that exam. Oh. And I was just, I was still as nervous. And, and Beethoven never sounded quite like I played it, but um, it was uh, it was it was good. I I got through it and yeah. And you passed. You did. The- I passed with honors, and oh. uh, <laughs> which which you know it's it. So I, I, I've had this a kind of love-hate relationship with playing for people. I, w- I prefer um, to, to sit in a restaurant on a Friday night with my piano and just play. And I don't mm-hmm. take any breaks. I just, and I don't care if anyone's listening. I just play. Do you do and that now? I've, I, 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 yeah, I do that now. I haven't uh-huh. done it in a couple of years, but uh, there's a restaurant up the street that's asking. And uh, to me, that's, that's music nirvana. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh! Well, we're going to have to come back to the music a little later because I wanted to find out about your family. And you said you live in Milltown, Milltown, Milton, it, Milton? Milton, Milton. How do you? I'm spell? sure it was. I'm sure it was called Milltown at one time, but M I L T O N. Oh, Ontario. Dear Milton. I misunderstood. Okay. Milton. And it was it was a Milltown. It was a, there's a little river there, and uh, uh, it, it is a rural community that has uh, that has grown up and is now a, a bustling suburban community that uh, is struggling for identity. Uh, because we have a lot of new Canadians and new cultures coming in. And, uh, so it's very, very interesting. Uh, but it's a great place to raise a family. It's Canada's fastest growing town, actually. Really? Uh, wow. yeah. And, uh, I'll have to go up there. Yeah. You're, you're welcome anytime. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's great. There's lots of sports happening. There's lots of culture, uh, that they're developing arts and, and, uh, yeah, I'm, I, I, 
my first houses that I bought were all out in the country. So I am dying to get back to the country, but we live pretty well, pretty close to uh, the country. It's, it takes about 10 minutes to get out into the, you know, to conservation areas and farmer's fields. And Oh, that's not too bad. So you have a little no, bit of both. Good. You have the city, a growing city, and you can just go, you know, you can't walk to this country. You still have to get in your car. Is that what you're saying? Still have to get in the car. Yeah, you'd yeah. like to be able to live right there and then you could get I out. Want to, I yeah. want to wake up in the morning and, and open the back door and see cows. Oh. <laughs> I do. I've did that, done that. I lived in an old renovated schoolhouse uh, for about seven years and that's what I would do. I woke up one morning and there was a big cow uh, staring at me in my kitchen through my kitchen window. Oh my. He, had, he had broken down the fence, and and I guess you know that adage: the grass is always greener on the other side of the <laughs> fence. Um, he believed it, or she believed it, and uh, that's what I woke up and came down for my coffee, and there was a cow staring right at me, and oh. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Oh well, you might end up doing that then. That's so yeah. funny. It's well, you never know. So um, you said you have two boys. How old are they? And their names. So Luke is uh, 12 going on 13. Uh, he'll be 13 in a couple months. And Liam is 10 going on 32. <laughs> <laughs> and so they are they are the delight of my life. Uh, they, uh, I love my wife too, but, uh, you know, they pale, uh, she pales by in comparison. She knows that to the, uh, just watching these kids grow up. It's just, <sighs> fa- and after spending so many years in education to have two guys uh, growing up at home, and and I taught grade eight, uh, grade seven and eight for most of my career, and so Luke is now in grade seven, and I'm on the other side of the fence as that parent. You know, <laughs> it's a whole different. I did sixth grade, and yeah, when my kids were there, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so defensive of everything that happens, and yeah, now I understand yeah. why the parents are like they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's no, but it's it's wonderful. Yeah. They're they're teaching me a lot, and. And uh, our conversations at the dinner table are are getting better. Uh, um, Luke is getting interested in girls, and uh, Liam's getting interested in girls. And and really, Um, ten. Ten. My granddaughter's eleven. She's the kind. I said, "How is?" This one's funny. She goes, "I said, what? What about the boys?" She goes, "Well, there's maybe two that are tolerable." I love that. I know. I that. She's, she's really great. But it's funny, though. Um, well, this is, you know, I know you haven't ventured far, but what do you do? your kids feel the same? And your wife, your wife's name is Zoe, right? Z- Zoe. Yeah. She's wonderful. Um, she tolerates me. <laughs> she tolerates <laughs> me. <laughs> she puts up with me. Oh, uh, that's and, uh, and so she's still teaching. She's She's got about 10 years left. And, uh, so we're we're kind of living. It, I sometimes I sometimes say, well, we've got three generations living in this house. <laughs> you know, we like different music and uh, different foods and whatnot. But we 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 survive together, and, and it's it's really quite wonderful. Uh, yeah. So she's a visual arts teacher at a middle school. Oh wow, a different one than different the one, children yeah. are. Yeah. yeah. yeah mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. Oh well, that's wonderful. Visual arts is kind of complements what you're doing. Well, it does complement it, but yeah. but she has a lot more stuff than I do. She has, you know, she's gone through the scrapbooking phase, so she has all that stuff, and she's gone through the card making phase, so she has a paper that I, I didn't even know this type of paper existed. If anyone wants to buy paper, we've got it. <laughs> <laughs> if any of your listeners are interested in some scrapbooking stuff, we've got it. Oh my goodness! Well, you can always put. Remember, we put a, that post together. You can put something up of Zoe's up. Share oh, it I'd out. Love to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you have a website, why not? Let's show it off. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So uh, what was your journey of, as an educator? I mean, you've gone through so much. I'm just curious how you got to where you are now. So I thought uh, when I w- wasn't able to go to radio college, I went to university and fell in love with philosophy. Mm. And uh, I graduated from um, my undergrad and I immediately went to the seminary to study for the priesthood. No, and, wait a minute. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's new. <laughs> I put that in there. <laughs> oh, oh, I missed it. Okay. It was subtly in there, yeah. Um, <laughs> and my mom was thrilled because she, she as a Catholic, she, she knows that if your son becomes a priest, if one of your sons becomes a priest, you automatically get a place in heaven. Um, and so when I left the seminary, uh, she was de- devastated. <laughs> I said, Mom, you're going to have to work for your salvation now. Um, and so th- th- there was there was a bit of a disconnect there for me because, as you know, Roman Catholic priests can't get married. And, and I knew that someday, I didn't know it was going to be, you know, many, many years later uh, that I would um, that I would want that. And uh, so I left there, but still loved, you know, the study of theology and philosophy. And uh, I, um, you know, lived with a couple of religious uh, uh, communities since then. And, you know, just kind of uh, still keep in touch with, with that whole life. But the, the logical thing to do when, uh, when I left there was to get a job. So I got a job with the telephone company here in Toronto and, uh, uh, they put me. They put me in the customer service department because I'm a little bit colorblind, and they didn't want me out on the lines uh, wiring telephone uh, <laughs> cabling or anything. And they said we're going to put you here, but we want you. And anyways, that was the early '80s, and there was a recession here, and then they let me go because I was the last one in. And plus, I wasn't a very good customer service rep because I I liked to talk, to talk on the phone too much, <laughs> and that, and that's not good when you have busy lines. They don't want you on there. Uh, mm. but so, so I, mom, my mom said, well, why don't you go into teaching? So I kind of fell in, I'm one of those guys that fell into the profession. And, uh, mm-hmm. but as soon as I walked into my first classroom, as soon as I walked into the faculty of education, the school of education, I was in heaven. I was like this, I was home. I felt like I would, had come home and that was amazing. And so, uh, I, I easily got a job at that time. The, the school district, uh, in, this area, we were hiring 500 teachers a year. Oh, my goodness. And so there was no problem getting a job. Wow. Um, and I was actually, here's something that I've never told anyone. Um, well, maybe one person. But I was actually the first round draft pick that year as a teacher because the superintendents would, would uh, they would have a draft. And uh, they would get to choose the teachers they wanted. And I had been doing some music and, and some arts stuff before I uh, took on that for full-time contract. So they knew me. So I was the first round draft pick. Uh, now, who can say that, right? No. <laughs> wow. That was exciting. And, and, I, and it was exciting. I had a great, a great career, but I, always, I was always a little restless. So in, in education, I would always look to the next thing. And uh, I, would, I, would, I had a habit in the springtime of writing job proposals for, for <laughs> jobs that I think the board needed. Um, and usually I would get them. So out of a 30-year career, 10 years of those uh, the, uh, ten, 10 of those years were spent doing things that the jobs that didn't exist before I wrote the proposal for them. So, um, Oh, very so innovative, pretty, writing your own well, jobs. People, <laughs> people, people would come up to me in June and say, well, what job did you create for yourself this year? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so that's, things are a little more locked down now, but, uh, 
I, I, I worked at a, a faculty of education, a school of education for three years uh, on secondment. Uh, I, I got into technology early on and was a technology uh, resource teacher. I think they call them coaches now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I made that job up and, and uh, it didn't exist at the time. And just kind of it, it, teaching for me was a place to really exercise and explore creativity. And whether it's going in on a Monday morning with a new idea in a grade eight class and they they used to roll their eyes. Well, what's it going to do today? Um, or, or, you know, at a bigger district level, it was, it was a place that I felt that I could be my most creative. And, uh, that was exciting. Uh, it was very exciting. I did a lot of that too. I created, <laughs> I wrote grants and I made my, you know, wrote myself into the grants. So do you want to talk about those? Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> another time. This is about you. And I, I really want to talk about how you got into because you you wrote you told me that you retired seven years yeah. ago, and then several years ago you started Voice Ed Canada. Yeah, so so I was uh, I was exploring um, the internet, this thing called the World Wide Web, and I, I I discovered these things called blogs, and I and I happened upon uh, and I was teaching at the university at the time, and I happened upon this one blog space. Uh, and these were a group of parents that really did not like public education at all. They wanted charter schools in Canada and they wanted voucher systems. And, and we don't talk that way here. Uh, we, we really don't. And so I wandered onto that blog space and, you know, my first comment on one of their posts, uh, it was like sharks were circling uh, they realized there was this educator in the room and he, and I declared that I was kind of a progressive educator. Oh man, that, <laughs> they just saw red and, and they just attacked me. Whoa. Now, most people would walk away and say, well, this isn't for me, but I kept coming back and I kept trying to convince them of, of my good intentions and whatnot. Well, that lasted for a few years and it would, I would just go to bed at night just so upset about, you know, what they were saying and, and but I would go back. So I, I decided one Sunday, and I remember exactly where I was in the kitchen in 2011, I said, I'm going to start a website that invites people to, um, to write blogs and to comment on other people's blogs, but in kind of a respectful way. So it was a multi-author blog space. Now, there was something in the United States that I belonged to, and I was inspired by, called the Co-op Catalyst. And um, th- I met so many people through that. And I said, we can do this in Canada. So I tried to do that in Canada and it was moderately successful, uh, but it kind of fell by to the, fell by the wayside. But uh, three years ago, I was sitting reading a book by Chris Katarna called The Age of Discovery. And there was one line in that book and he was framing our current age as a new renaissance. And he, there was one line in the book that just totally blew my mind. He said, in a Renaissance, the line between creator and audience is thin. It's blurred. Mm-hmm. So the idea that the audience can now become the creator and the creators can become the audience. And it was just this, well, I knew about internet radio and I had had some experience about, with internet radio uh, a couple of years before, but I put down the book no, actually, because I was reading the book online, I actually just switched to the web browser and I said, I wonder what's new about internet radio. And nothing was new, but it was still exciting. And within 24 hours, I had a radio station called Voice Ed Radio. 
And I started with nobody. I mean, there was just an idea. And my first person that I engaged uh, imaginatively in the project was Derek Rodenizer up in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. I'd never met him. I just had heard his voice on on Roland Chidiak's podcast. And I said, man, I have to talk to that man. And so we started a month later with a live broadcast. And we started inviting people to, uh, to you know, allow us to play their podcasts. And uh, slowly but surely... That whole thing happened, and we've been at it for three years. Uh, but it was it was really a desire to break through some of that polarization, that's uh, some of those really harsh opinions and attitudes that you find on social media, mm-hmm. and to get people talking to another one another in a different way, with the idea that if we could change the way that we talk to each other about education, then we could actually change the way we do education. And so that's what I've lived with for the past about 12 to 14 hours a day for the past three years. Um, I've kind of eaten, drink, drank and slept voice ed radio. I know you do. Because I see you're on, you and Derek. <laughs> and others. Derek's still around, yeah. Yeah, Derek's still so we, around. It's really- so right now we have 115 uh, podcasts and, and live broadcasts that are part of the network. Uh, we just got a new website uh, three weeks ago. And I'm still transferring content over, uh, but it is uh, we're growing, and and we also go out to uh, to live conferences, and we'll we'll uh, broadcast live the keynotes. Uh, we'll set up a studio there so people can come and talk to us and podcast, and uh, um, it's really really exciting. So I am Barbara. I'm living the dream that I started in grade four. I I know this is when you have something like that, and it actually comes true. It doesn't yeah. matter how old you are. I mean, it doesn't matter. You can, no, you just no. keep on doing what you love and it gets better and better. I do also do what you do 12 to 14 hours a day and my family <laughs> thinks I'm crazy. Crazy, right? But I love it. And learning about you like this has just been amazing. And uh, you, I, I'm just, I know I saw your new website and I love it. I think it's really great. But is there anything else that you're planning on doing now? I mean, going into no. the next direction or? <laughs> no, there is no other direction. This is it. No, uh. <laughs> I, I, no my commitment, and I, th- I, I told Zoe, um, you know, she has 10 years left in, in, in 10 or 11 years. I said, I'm going to continue right till, till you retire. Um, and then we can go and travel Europe or whatever we want to do. Um, but I, I, I want to nurture this for the next decade. I want to see where it can go. I want to invite more people in. We're getting a lot more student voice. Yeah. Uh, we're getting a lot uh, of the research community coming and and mm-hmm. um, be, becoming part of this. And I think we can start to bridge some spaces that exist you know, in our various community. I just think there's a lot more to do here. Um, I'm not restless anymore. I'm very settled. Uh, but I do think about the next piece of technology, the next idea, um, mm-hmm. the next podcast, the next broadcast, um, constantly thinking about that and, and, and inviting other people to do it because this is an open community and we would love to have whoever is interested in either starting a podcast or doing some live broadcasting. We have music rights, so we can do uh, 80% of our station can legally be music. So if someone wanted to start a music show, um, we're open to that. Well, you have uh, Noah <laughs> around the personal playlist. Yes. Yeah, yes, she's yes, great. we do have Noah. I love yeah. it, Noah Daniels. She's amazing. And you have so many others I know and have had on my show. So I just, I, I'm really honored that you included me. It's, it's 
you know, really wonderful. Well, well, here's the thing with that. Um, I mean, we, we, we invite people and we say we, I, it's mainly me that does the inviting, but, but people are starting to recommend uh, other people. It's not just that we'll come to voice ed radio and we'll play your stuff. Mm-hmm. It's come to voice ed radio and become part of a community mm-hmm. of people who really care about these conversations and really want to see them develop. And so we have, you know, with some of our uh, podcasts that we network, we have tangential relationships. Uh, we hear from them on occasion when their stuff isn't up. Um, but more and more people are talking to each other and mm-hmm. and meeting each other. And, you know, Carol Salva and Sarah and Lalonde would not have met if it weren't for this space. Oh, and they, I know they stay at each other's houses now, Brad Schreffler. They're, they're all, you know, sitting on the same couch, sending me a picture. I said, what's happening there? Yeah, said, you've connected so, the world. It's really wonderful. It's, 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 it is wonderful. Yeah. And, and, you know, you don't do it alone, but uh, it works. Well, I, I know a lot of people in uh, Canada, uh, like you do, uh, Robert Martellacci. I know, I've known him for many years. Just saw him yesterday. Oh, Robert's going to be on my show. I know it because we've been talking. and. Oh. Get ready, get ready. I know, <laughs> I know. I've known him a long time, <laughs> and some others, you know. So I've been very lucky to know some wonderful people all around the world, and and uh, you've opened the door for so many other people to connect. And unfortunately, I have to kind of close the the talk uh, right now. I could go on and on with you because we're so much alike, and I, it's not wonderful. I I love it. I mean, Steve, Stephen, this has just been uh, just a dream of mine to talk to you like this and get to know you better. Really? Yes. That's. I'm going to go to bed. There's someone dreaming about me. Oh, don't tell your wife. <laughs> <laughs> it's no. It's an older woman. <laughs> but very wise. <laughs> very wise indeed, and such a delight. Thank you. It's been great uh, meeting you in this way, and. Uh, Uh, Let's stay connected. Oh, thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Have a wonderful day. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Stephen Hurley. Make sure you check out the complimentary blog post about Stephen and his amazing story, along with resources and links. I hope you subscribe to my podcast so you can listen at any time from anywhere. And I really welcome your review. I would love it if you share out the post with the podcast. By the way, you can also subscribe to my website, barbarabray.net, to receive announcements and updates so you don't miss any of the conversations.